0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fansided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat. Today, Adam McGinnis cannot be here. He's off doing something. I don't know. Maybe he's on some mission or whatever, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to dive too much into that because I have no idea. So instead, we have our <laughs> Cody Del Mendo with us. He's going to be my co-host for the evening. We have some fun stuff to talk about. The Cubs are coming off a great road trip. They're about to head home and play the St. Louis Cardinals, those arch bitter rivals of theirs, uh, for a weekend set. So, let's just get right into it. Cody, how are you doing tonight?
1: Oh, not bad, man. Uh, the sun kind of peaked out uh, when I got off work. So, it's, it kind of helped, uh, you know, kind of, I don't know how you say it. You want to pick up your your morale or something like that. this rain that we've been getting lately, it's just, it's downing me besides besides how the Cubs have been playing and the Cubs, the Cubs play is what's kept me, kept me up, but the rain and the gloominess, it's, it it takes a toll on you. So glad to see the sun peak out a little bit this evening.
0: Lucky you, because I didn't see the sun when I came out of work, it was gloomy and rainy all day by me. And when I left for work this morning, it decided that it was going to be its peak torrential downpour, point of the day so uh yeah, <laughs> yeah that that was fun
1: yeah well i'm down in like uh in ottawa illinois so uh, if you know where Starve rock is um the illinois river is uh, it rolls right through town and we have like major flooding right now like the bridge that goes through like that goes right through downtown like the water is almost like <laughs> hitting the top of the bridge it's it's kind of bad and like it it gets like that. Like it, it's happened the last couple of years that I've lived here. And uh, so we've gotten a lot of rain and it's just kind of nice that it stopped finally for a little bit. And like I said, the sun peaked out and it's just kind of, it's kind of nice to, to see some sun and hopefully we get some sun going to the weekend, especially with this, with the Cubs coming back home. And, you know, if there's sun at Wrigley field, we can not have to do any delays and hopefully get some good baseball.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, by me, Elmhurst is a huge, huge flood area because we have uh, Salt Creek by us. But the past few years, they've built these basins around town to help the drainage uh, because, the stone quarry by us used to be the prime drainage point, but it's just, it's so overwhelmed. So we're getting a little better with the flooding, but you know, it's still, it still floods like crazy here. So yeah, yeah the good news is that it sounds like uh, the weather is going to be pretty good this weekend for the Cubs Cardinals series, at least no foreseeable thunderstorms or anything. There, there may be some overcast here or there, but the temperature will rise and you know, if, if it's in the high sixties, seventies, you can live with some overcast as long as it's not raining. Uh, right. So th- that that should be good for that series, because it may be May, but we got a pretty, I-, I would say, fairly significant series coming up against the Cardinals. Uh, we could just get right into that. Considering the Cardinals have just been on fire, I mean, so have the Cubs, but the Cardinals are, they're playing their final game in Washington tonight, and if they sweep them, they'll be 21-10, and 10, and the Cubs will be 16-12, and 12, uh, only two back in the loss column, but... You know you you want to at least gain some ground this weekend. I mean, it's not the end of the world because it's May, but i you would at least agree that there's at least some significance to this series,
1: right? Oh, for sure. I think any any game if you're playing the division a division opponent, I feel like all those games are important. I mean, I know yeah. the Reds and Pirates aren't as important as maybe Milwaukee or St. Louis, but those even those are important though, because those are the teams that you that the Cubs with the talent that they have, they're supposed to beat. So now when you're playing a team that is right there with the Cubs at the top of the division right now, like of course it's important. I don't, if they were playing in April, I would say it's important just because, you know, we witnessed it last year, having to play 163 games instead of 162, you know, every game matters no matter what you, you could say it's early, blah, blah, blah. But in the end, every game really does matter. So this Cardinals team is coming into Wrigley tomorrow, red hot. And, uh, you know, especially on the offensive side. So the, these pitching matchup matchups are, are interesting and uh, yeah, it should be really fun. Yeah. So yeah. why don't we look at the pitching matchups right now?
0: So tomorrow we will have Kyle Hendricks who his last start at Wrigley Field was brilliant against the Diamondbacks. He struck out 11 guys. Then his next start in Arizona was disastrous. Overall, he's been off to a very slow start, which we're kind of used to seeing, but This is a really good opportunity for Kyle Hendricks to bounce back. He'll be at home. Uh, He's very familiar with the Cardinals. Uh, So that is for game one. And he will face Jack Flaherty, who has really good stuff. He's been kind of up and down overall. But if you've watched Jack Flaherty, you can see the potential he has. The fastball is really good. uh, But, uh, you know, the Cubs are going to have a bit of a challenge there. But, hey, their offense has been so good. You know, hopefully they can prey on a young pitcher, and then the next day you have Yu Darvish, and he's coming off a good but kind of weird outing in Arizona, where he loaded <laughs> the bases in the first inning, as you remember, and then after that he just cruised along, one run on two hits in six innings. Would you say that this is probably uh, the most intriguing start for Darvish as a Cub? Because I do not think he's faced the Cardinals yet I- as a Cub.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I, I haven't, I didn't even think about looking that up. I'm, I don't think he has either. I, it will be interesting, especially, you know, we all know about the contract and everything. So I, I don't want to say there's a ton of pressure on Darvish to, you know, get it together. Cause he's, he's been, I feel like he's just been average, you know? And, and I, you know, in spring training, I thought, man, I think that as long as the Cubs can get 30 starts out of Darvish, You know, I I take that as a win. Some people think differently because of how much the Cubs are paying him. Um, But, you know, we've in terms of like me saying that he's been average. I mean, he's striking out guys, but his Mm -hmm. his control has been has been questionable. I don't want to say it's been Chatwood-esque from last year, but like he has been inconsistent in the strike zone. And, you know, that that leaves me weary on him going forward because he had that problem last year, too, before he got hurt. So I I just don't really know what to really think about him right now. But, yeah, he is coming off a nice start, and it helped that the Cubs scored, what, four or five runs for him after that first or second inning. So, you know, he he was able to go back out there with a comfortable lead, and every pitcher can go out there and perform well if they, you know, just execute the way they know they can if you got a lead like that.
0: Yeah, the interesting thing about Darvish is the stuff looks great. You can agree with that, right? Oh yeah,
1: the stuff looks great and and like it's 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 just like Chatwood last year like people would say like man, he he has great stuff. He's a great fastball. He's hitting 95, 96. Same mm-hmm. thing as Darvish. And but he just can struggle to consistently hit the strike zone and that's what really hurts him. And so like, like I said, it's not as bad as Chatwood last year. I mean, Chatwood led the league in, lock, in walks last year, so it's not that bad, but it is something that just, it's really easy to compare. So I'm just looking for Darvish to like just kind of find some kind of rhythm, some kind of, you know, role to get on, maybe build off the last start. Cause after, after he got out those first two innings, he, he was fine. And, you know, he like cruised. I said, right. And like I said, it helps that, you know, you get a, three, four, five run lead with the talent that he is, like you give that guy any kind of lead, he should be okay. You just, you want to see him do that even in a zero, zero game, especially at the beginning of the game, because the key to how the Cubs have been playing so well lately is they're starting pitching. And, you know, we're getting great performances out of, you know, Quintana and Hamels and and John Lester and, you know, Darvish and Hendricks are the two guys that are kind of, you know, they're just getting off to, they're just average right now. I mean, I would say Darvish has pitched better than Hendricks to start the season, at least. But uh, he's
0: missed a lot more bats. He's uh, sure. obviously he's he's a bigger strikeout guy. But you know, here's the weird thing about Darvish: he's given up a lot of homers, like solo homers. But you don't see them hitting a lot of like line drives off them. It's either solo home runs or walks that get him into trouble. But it's not like guys are spraying the ball all over the ballpark a lot of guys are swinging and missing against him. His hits per nine right now are at about 7.2 last year in eight starts. It was 8.1. It's, it's mainly the walks. You can live yeah. with solo home runs, but if you cut the walks in half, that's going to make a huge difference. And the walks have been what has kind of prevented him from going oh, sure. very deep. Yeah. Cause <laughs> if his pitch count was a lot lower in Arizona, he definitely could have gone seven innings. And if you look at the base on ball per nine versus the strikeouts per nine, he's striking out over 10 guys per nine innings. He's walking nearly seven. Cut that in half. It's, if you cut it in half, it's still not great. But if you consider the fact that he's striking out so many guys and he's able to get out, that right there is, it, it's pretty big, I, I think. So just, Cut it in half, at least, and you'll see a lot better results because he can strike guys out. And another interesting thing to keep in mind is you watch his starts recently and you see a lot of situations where guys get on and there's a lot of pressure on him. He's able to escape those a lot of the time. Last year, he did not.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, that it was <laughs> like I keep going back to Chatwood and the, the, he reminds me him and Chatwood the way that. The way with their tenures with the Cubs have been, it's so similar to me. Yeah, last year he, you know, the that they would haunt him and with Darvish, it that has been a thing he's been able to get out of so far for the most part. He's he's had some some bad innings, but uh overall he's been able to get out of it. I mean, it could have been really bad. That 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 game against Arizona could have been completely different, uh, you know, if he had given up some runs in that first inning. But, you know, it's It's early and I'm willing to at least let Darvish kind of, you know, figure it out because, you know, he's coming off an injury like season. And uh, I still think there's plenty of time for him to, you know, get into the form that most people are used to seeing him in the past.
0: So you want to hear a slash line against what batters are doing against him? It's it's kind of to the point that I made earlier. So a slash line batters are hitting 225 against him. That's not very high. The OBP, though, is 375. The slugging is 461. The OPS is 836. So, like I said, the on-base (laughs) and slugging is high because there's been a lot of solo home runs and there's been a lot of walks. But they're not getting hits galore off this guy. It's not a bunch of line drive base hits. Right. That's kind of how it's been.
1: Right, his slider is just—it's nasty when he's got it going. He had it going oh, yeah. last start, you know. It, I think the key with him is being able to locate his fastball on a yes. more consistent basis. He, when he gets ahead in the count with that fastball, like, it, I mean, I—I I feel like you can say that for about a lot of pitchers that you know either struggle with control or even the, some of the top pitchers in the game right now. You know, with how velocity has so increased over the last like decade or so. Like Darvish doesn't hit 98, 99, but 95, 96 is still pretty good. And, you know, if he can find a way to, you know, consistently throw first pitch strikes with that fastball, isn't he, like, he could potentially be the Cubs number one or number two starter, you know, in September.
0: Another interesting thing that we've seen from Darvish to your point about the fastball is, Sometimes we see him lose faith in the fastball, and he goes very breaking ball heavy, very slider heavy, and that's where you could get some trouble with the walks. One example is, I remember in his last start against Arizona, when he was still kind of struggling in the early innings, he walks the opposing pitcher on a 3-2 pitch on a slider, and you're thinking, why would you throw the opposing pitcher, a slider on a three, two count, wouldn't you just throw a fastball in there and whatever happens, happens against the pitcher. So sometimes we've seen him go to a certain pitch or go away from a certain pitch, because sometimes it feels like he doesn't really know where some of his pitches are going. But once he finds that rhythm, you can see how effective he is in mixing things up. And, you know, he, he can throw you a lot of different things, but when you see the majority of what he's thrown, you're seeing slider fastball.
1: Yeah, I want to. That was Zach Godley. He went up against that night, right?
0: Yeah, it sounds right. I think you're right. Yeah,
1: I, I believe that same at bat that he walked him. He like he threw a fastball in that like <laughs> you could argue was almost at the head. Like he he's had some moments where he's he's gone inside and it's, it's almost been bad. He's been very lucky to be honest. Um, I can't think there was there was that one play last I don't It was last week, right? Where he, someone, he hit someone, then it like it hit Contreras and then hit the umpire or something. Oh, that was in
0: Miami. He was hit loose Brinson.
1: He hit yeah. loose Brinson
0: with a 99 mile an hour fastball hit off Contreras, hit off the umpire and that was like one of the hardest balls he's ever thrown it was it was right. 99 miles yeah. an hour
1: and th- he posted it on his instagram i believe or something like that and he's just his caption was so funny it was just like the my i think he said like my bad and then like the 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 laughing sweaty emoji i don't know how to explain it <laughs> yeah <laughs> he so i mean yeah he's like like we keep saying he's he's having some troubles with the fastball. And I think once he can, once he figures that out, once he can throw that consistently, you know, I, I think that's when he'll really take off. And, you know, I believe he can do that with as well as the, you know, the Cubs pitching staff is playing right now. There really isn't a lot of pressure for him to perform perfectly, but uh, you definitely want to see some progression over the next couple months. That way you're, you know, you get an idea of what you're really going to get out of him in the, in the later months. So the
0: series will wrap up. It'll be an old familiar foe, Adam Wainwright. He'll face <laughs> Jose Quintana. And Jose Quintana has probably been my favorite starting pitcher to watch this year, uh, considering how good he's been. In his last start in Arizona, he gave up three runs, but you know he hung one bad slider to uh, David Peralta. Other than that, he still looks pretty good overall, and he could have easily had another quality start, but Joe Madden decided to pull the plug on him at only 80-some pitches, which I thought was a little weird, and it ended up not looking too great considering how many innings it went. So, you know, he could have... uh, could have right. gone a few more and saved a few bullets, but you know, you can't see the future. Joe made his call for his reasons, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you look at the starts before that he had a gem against the Dodgers. He had a gem against the Marlins. He had a gem against the pirates outside that one terrible performance in Milwaukee. He has been just fantastic. So far this year, we are seeing why it is important for him to mix up his pitches more. He's throwing that change up. He's changing the eye level. He's locating very well. Uh, let's hope he keeps this going against St. Louis, because I remember last year Quintana was very up and down against St. Louis. He had some good starts against him, and then he had some pretty bad ones too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's hope he kind of keeps that train rolling. Cause right now he is tied with the lowest base on ball per nine with John Lester among starting pitchers. And he has the second highest strikeouts per 9. He is just .2 behind you Darvish at 10.2. So he's been missing bats. The command has been great. He's he's been doing everything you could ask for.
1: Yeah, I mean I I didn't want to jump to conclusions about it like after those first couple starts. I mean, I know it was good. It was a good Sign especially after the start against Milwaukee, but the start against the Dodgers with the offense that that team has—I mean, that one was an eye opener, you know. And you, and you mentioned it—the the changeup has really helped him. And I feel like the the thing about him is he's not trying to throw the perfect pitch; he's just you know going out there and trusting what he has. And mm-hmm. you know, when you have a couple good starts like he had going into that Dodger series, you know, I guess. Sometimes confidence is all you need. I don't want to say that that's all it is, obviously. You kind of mentioned what he's doing and, and, uh, you know, and how it's showing on the field. And, uh, but, you know, Jose Catana, like, no one really thought he was going to be this going into this season. Uh, you know, he, Cup fans, I feel like he's either a guy that you love or you hate just because of what they gave up to get him. And I guess you could say that he hasn't exactly lived up to what they wanted. And I mean, I would up to this point, he probably hasn't. But, you know, I, I think that he's a quality pitcher. And then in the, in this time, in these days, like if you've got a quality pitcher, you can go out there and eat innings for you, then, then I can ride with him. So, but yeah, he's definitely pitching his his best as a cub for sure. I, you know, I think of Jose Quintana starts when I think of his best starts. I, I always think of ones against Milwaukee. And then that very first start he had against the Orioles when he first got traded.
0: Oh, that Uh, was a thing of beauty.
1: Oh yeah. That was, that was like, when that happened, we're like, Oh, Theo did it again, you know? Yep. And, yeah, you know, and, and after that, he just you know you, you just didn't really know what his his issue was, and you start questioning why did we give up so so much for him, quote unquote, and you know, but if he can pitch like this, like he did in April, you know, for an entire year, you're 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 thinking you can put him out there in a game. I don't want to say game one, but maybe a game two or game three of a playoff series, because I. <laughs> I still think you got to throw John Lester number one in game one, yeah, but at least at this point and uh but if he pitches like this, and you know you know theoretically, from what we've seen in the past you we think Hendricks is going to turn it around, he's always been a a second half pitcher, and he's always a slow starter, so you got Lester Hendricks, and then if Quintana can keep this up, plus Cole Hamels. And if you Darvish can figure this out that I mean that's solid. Like I don't know, I can't think of many starting fives that could be that great. If you like if you like like I said if if Hendricks gets back to what we're used to, you know, and then the rest of them just keep doing what they're doing and Darvish figures out his control, you know, I I think starting pitching wise the the Cubs are doing better than what even we expected. We knew the starting pitching would be good. It would be serviceable, but I didn't think it would be this good.
0: Yeah, hopefully that continues through this series. And luckily for the Cubs, it's at home. So hopefully they could take advantage of that. But I think this is going to be a great series between these two ball clubs. Both are playing really good baseball right now. Uh, Obviously, they're both going to be playing for the division all year long. And this will be the first time we've seen the Cardinals this year. In April, they only had let's see six division games only six and as we go forward that means get ready for a heck lot more division games because you're going to have the cardinals this weekend Mm -hmm. next weekend you're going to have the brewers then you're going to go to cincinnati and then you're going to host cincinnati the final weekend in may and then the first weekend in june you go to st louis and then the next weekend you play st louis again yeah so that's a lot of division games coming up
1: and they're all going to be important even those games against the reds i know the reds are at the bottom of the division but that team if that team can get its offense figured out the one thing that everyone thought that they had going into the year that team could be if they get on a roll they could i'm just saying you can you can write it down whatever that team could possibly be in a wild card chase at the end of the year, if they can figure out their offense, because well, they're I think pitching at the
0: end of the day, no matter what a division game, no matter how good or bad is important.
1: Right? Well, yeah, for sure. And, and I kind of said that at the beginning. I just I'm just saying, like, I'm trying to emphasize that that the red series isn't in, they're not going to be easy, kind of like they have been, you know, in past years. Maybe No, they they're not
0: the reds of 2016 that we mercilessly <laughs> right. beat up.
1: Oh, yeah. I wish they were because they were so fun to watch because you, you went into them and you weren't worried at all. But now the last couple of years, they've been kind of tough and they, they make you scratch your head and wonder what the heck is going on. So, yeah, I mean, the, it's just going to be a battle in this division. There's not one team that you can look at and be like, oh, that's a that's an easy win for us. So, yeah, I mean, that, I th- I feel like that's why this series – to start is uh you know so important because you want to win the division games and you you know you want to hopefully cut the the cardinals lead in the division in, in half or something like that if the nationals can pick up the, a win tonight you know you're hoping that you can you know climb a game closer tomorrow and uh you know the both teams are playing so well so I, that's one reason why this series is going to be so fun
0: yeah absolutely and you, you know it's funny we're talking about. What the the Cubs of a few years ago did to the Reds? I mean, you remember <laughs> that was the the year of the famous Tom Brennerman Enough already! Right? Oh yeah, early yes, in the yeah. season.
1: Enough already! Yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, oh man, that guy. <laughs> he's he's one of those uh, broadcasters that you know people like to make fun of on social media these days. If you want
0: to look at the splits that year between the Cubs and the Reds, twenty sixteen. The Cubs went 15-4 and four against the Reds. They outscored them 143-69. to 69. And if you look at all the other division games, they didn't come close to scoring that many runs against any other division opponent. 143 runs was by far the most they scored against any other opponent. Right. So that's a win percentage of 789 against them it's it's not like that anymore. now, do I think the Cubs are still miles better than the Reds? Yes, but the Reds have a nice offense. Their their pitching staff is improved. That that young kid, uh Luis Castillo, yep, he's yep. looking pretty dang good.
1: He has I've watched a few of his games, I mean, and you know, that's why I kind of mentioned like if the Reds offense can I I've watched some of their games and like they just aren't scoring a lot of runs. I mean, they lost no. one to nothing today. And the only run they gave up was to Noah center guard who hit a home run. Like it's just, to me, it's like, Oh, if that offense gets back to what it was like last year or even the year before that, I feel like the last couple of years, their offense is pretty good. I mean, I feel like any lineup that has Joey Votto in it is pretty good, but he's kind of hit his de- his decline. Like his number, his home run totals were down last year. So I don't know if maybe it's just cause he's getting older or something, but Uh, I just feel like if that offense gets hot like it was last year, they could be a team that could, you know, hit a if they hit like a seven, eight game win streak, they could be right there. As long as they can stay close to 500, they might be right there, because I just don't think anyone in this division is going to run away. And then I don't think anyone in the National League is going to run away and, you know, steal the wild card. So I just feel like they could be there in July. You know,
0: there's very few like truly terrible teams in the national league. One of them we play again right after St. Louis. So after that St. Louis series, we have a four game series against Miami uh, from Monday to Thursday. I know it's hard to sweep a four game series, but (laughs) I think the Cubs have to sweep that series at home against the Marlins. Don't you?
1: Yeah. I mean, especially if you're at home and if the Cubs were playing like the way that they have been playing, like, they I I don't want to say they have to, but you it's a disappointment if they don't at least win three of the four. Right. You know, yeah, it, exactly. Like it, if they're on the road, maybe a little bit different, but they're at home. They're playing a really, really bad Marlins team. A Marlins team that just sent down Lewis Brinson, who they traded Christian Yelich for, which just makes me so mad. That it might be Louis the
0: worst Brinson. trade in baseball history. I mean, seriously, seriously.
1: like. I, I can't, like, I love Derek Jeter as a, as a player. Like he was a great shortstop and one of the icons of baseball of my childhood, but what he did when he became the Marlins owner, I can never forgive because of how much like Christian Yelich is going to just give me headaches for the next, you know, however many years left he's in Milwaukee. And then Marcelo Zuna, like he's on a tear right now. And, you know, he gave me a headaches last year, even though he wasn't, that great
0: oh yeah i mean they're gonna be they're gonna be torturing us for years to come that's the aggravating thing is that they both just had to go to our biggest division rivals yelich and then marcelo zuna and then those go figure
1: yeah and those teams didn't give up anything for him it makes me wish the cubs would have gone after yelich imagine if yelich was in the lineup i when you when you think hindsight 2020 you're like man i would have given up almora and you know, a few prospects. If I had thrown in Hap, I would have thrown in Almora, Hap, and maybe a prospect for Yelich.
0: You know, honestly, at this point, I'd say if you gave them Almora, Hap, and maybe a Nico Horner or uh, Albert yeah, I'd say, yeah, do it.
1: Yeah, with the way that Yelich has played over the last year and a month, you're like, oh, oh. That, the Cubs lineup would be it would be ridiculous if it had Yelich, Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, Schwerber, Contreras. Oh, so right.
0: far I know they have <laughs> some prospects, but so far the most that the Marlins have gotten from these fire sale trades is Starlin Castro.
1: Yeah, and because Louis uh, Brinson's <laughs> looked
0: like a complete bust, and right. Sandy Alcantara, who came in the Ozuna deal, the stuff is good, but he just hasn't really figured it out yet. So, and some of the other prospects we haven't seen yet. So, so far, it's pretty much what it is.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at Sandy Alcantara, or Alcantara's uh, n- numbers now, kind of. He's he's scheduled to pitch against the Cubs on Monday. He has a 486 ERA. He only has 22 strikeouts on the season. And I'm pretty sure we roughed him up in the series in Miami. Yeah, we did. So, yeah, he, I know he, pitchers, are they take much more time to develop. They don't just come up and... And are great unless you're like an elite talent, like, I don't know, like Kopech, like Kopech looked pretty good when he came up last year for the White Sox. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just frustrating when you see those trades that the the Cardinals and the, and the Brewers made to get those, those two guys. And you just wonder, like, why didn't the Cubs do something to get one of those? If it, if that was it, the Cubs could have given the Marlins better players. They would well, have the reason
0: <laughs> the reason they did it is because they had a lot of faith in Elmora and Hap.
1: Exactly. And I, I can't fault Theo for that because, you know, Almora was his draft pick. Hap was his draft pick. And, you know, we've we've seen, you know, Theo show a lot of faith in his own guys. And, and I, I, I feel like that's a pride thing, I guess. And, you know, we can criticize him for this, but he's done so many other great things mm-hmm. that it kind of evens out, I guess you could say. And like I said, this is all hindsight 2020, but. Man, you just those are some. Of, every time Yelich hits a home run, I just think, man, why didn't we?
0: <laughs> you know, you know what I think of why didn't we really often is Lorenzo Cain.
1: Uh, you didn't have to trade or
0: anything. You could have just, just signed, just signed him.
1: him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's that's another one too. And the thing was is he wasn't even like a big name on the market. I I feel like the year that he signed with the the Brewers, like ever at least division wise ever more people talked about uh, there was another player that signed or well Darvish signed with the Cubs that off season that was the big the big pitching name Darvish
0: I, was one of the biggest free agents on the market period
1: for, for sure yes i i keep getting i, I keep uh getting confused uh, with Kane and Dexter Fowler I've, but they didn't sign the same off season right um, I'm trying to think. I thought there was another player in the division or in that just the lead off pl- lead off type. I mean, Kane got essentially the same type of contract that Fowler got. And I think that's why I keep getting them confused.
0: Mm-hmm. But,
1: yeah, when he signed with the Brewers, like no one really talked about it. And, yeah, I knew he was a good player, but he might be playing better now with the Brewers than he did with the Royals. I don't know. He if Yes,
0: a... <laughs> he, just... he most definitely is.
1: Which is crazy because like he's he's in his 30s now. Like it's not like he's still like super young, but he's a great defensive outfielder on top of just a on base machine. It's every every time the Cubs play the Brewers, it's an automatic headache for me to start the game, especially if especially if they're playing the Brewers at home because you gotta face Kane and Yelich first two. They always put them at the top of the lineup, so it's just an automatic like. I'm already feeling stressed. It's the first inning and because they have to face Kane and Yelich to start. And, you know, it's, when they had the, that Brewer series back in April when the pitching was so bad, I was just – I just didn't even want to watch the Brewers hit because it's just I, – I was so afraid.
0: <laughs> I keep this in mind. Last year, Lorenzo Kane hit 308, 395 on base, four seventeen slugging, that three ninety nine on base was far and away his career high. He was always a very good average hitter. He hit three hundred or above, looks like uh, five times in his career. And if it wasn't, it was in like the two seventies, two eighties. So you know he was always putting up a good batting average. But consider the on base last year. It's just you saw what a step that guy took last year. And his OPS plus last year was one hundred and eighteen, and that was. His second highest of his career, his highest, was in Kansas City in 2015 when he had a career-high 16 home runs. But, I, look, I mean, really, in Milwaukee, he was just mashing last year.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's he's some kind of talent, man. Like, I just, every time, like I said, every time he, every time he comes to the plate, I'm like, he is a tough out. He he. I always feel like we're playing him in up to 3-2 counts. And then you just have to battle with him, and he's either getting walked or he's hitting the ball hard somewhere. And it's he's just a hard out, and you know it, credit to him for getting better even after the, the, the big contract and you know getting older. You know, so many people criticize these these contracts that players get when they hit free agency because you just don't think they're going to play as well as they did in their younger days. And you know, he's one of those guys that looks like that was a good investment.
0: Yes, so far, I would say that between Kane and Yelich, Kane has been the Cub killer way over Yelich. When you look at the numbers, (laughs) I mean, uh, Yelich had a pretty good series against the Cubs in their, Mm -hmm. uh, their meetup in early April. But if you look at early April and all last year, Lorenzo Kane was killing the Cubs every single night.
1: No, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy this year. Yelich has what thirteen or fourteen home runs, and like nine of them are against St. Louis. So, it, yeah. And like in and Yelich's like ever since he became a Brewer, he's only hit like one or two home runs against the Cubs. And to honestly, I found that surprising because he just maybe he just always gets the big hit when it matters most against the Cubs. Maybe that's why I'm just so like nerve wracking when he comes to the plate. Besides the fact that he's obviously a great player. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the guy puts forth full effort every single night. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, moving on here, we have a bit of news in terms of the 40-man roster. And this kind of came forth earlier this week, so we knew this was going to happen, but it was made official today. Addison Russell was added to the 40 man roster and he was optioned to triple a Iowa where he had been playing while he was serving his MLB suspension. So now that's up and he's eligible to play with the Cubs again, but the Cubs have decided to send him down to triple a look. I-, I say, don't mess <laughs> with a good thing they have right now. Why would you want Russell playing over Javier short right now? Why would you want to see Daniel Descalso. Ben Zobrist um, or David Bodie lose any time when they're all contributing right now. I mean, it's working.
1: Right. I mean, on that, on top of the fact, you know, it's just going to be a giant media distraction when Russell does come back. And right now, especially with the Cardinals coming in this weekend, like you just, you don't want everyone talking about as Russell coming back with this big series. And like, we keep saying it, we know it's May, but it's a big series. I I love the fact that they just sent him to triple A uh, for your reason and then the, the distraction reason. It's you know, we keep talking about Aston Russell and like why didn't the Cubs just release him or, or trade him in the offseason? Well, you know, it it's a question that we can just keep asking, but we'll never really know because we can't read Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer's minds. But I have like the only thing I can come up with is just they want to trade him for some sort of significant, uh, you know, return. And I don't know what they can really get for him besides, you know, middle relief pitching and, and that's pushing it because given like our society today and how like so many athletes are getting or coming out or getting caught with like this domestic violence type things, especially in the NFL more so in the NFL than, than in baseball, like it's, it's just a, a really bad look. So a lot yeah. of teams aren't going to really want that. And it's not like it's not like a role as Chapman because a role as Chapman is good at what he does in baseball. Like he was like when the Cubs trade for him, he was arguably the best closer in baseball as in Russell. Well, the, the way that most GMs will probably look at it is, you know, former top prospect had one decent season and has just dropped off since then. And now he, he never has came
0: this, close to reaching his full potential.
1: I mean, yeah, it's really hard to reach Barry Larkin status, but like, yeah, I mean, 2016, he, it, it was hard to really understand how he really helped the team. I, when I think back to Russell in 2016, he, he always had a bunch of clutch hits, but he was a guy that, you know, he wasn't a big on base guy and, no. and, and he struck out, I don't want to, I don't, it wasn't some like a huge percentage, but you know, he he wasn't on base guy. He struck out plenty, but he was great defensively and he got big hits for you. That's, I mean, we all know the big hits in the world series with the grand slam, but like other than 2016 though, like it's just been bad besides his defense. His defense is the only thing that's really keeping him in the league. And to me, and I'm assuming to you, like that's not worth, I feel like that's not worth keeping him around for. But the only thing I can come up with is, you know, Theo and Jed, they, they don't want to just let him go. Like let a former top prospect like that at the age that he's at, like just go and walk and then someone pick him up and, you know, whatever happens after that. I mean, if he gets that fresh start and, takes off then then you're looking at it and you're like man we should have at least traded him for something and may, that's the only thing i can look at and say that's probably why they still have him like and i and i get that but uh, i just personally i think it it's too big of a distraction to really care about and i feel like they should move on for from him and maybe maybe there's that's what they're going to do, and they're just going to leave him in AAA until they can find a s- someone who needs a shortstop midseason. I, I don't know. I really don't know what the Cubs are planning to do with with him. I don't. I don't, and I don't think anyone knows.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, I, it, me personally just really wishes they can move on from him for many, many reasons. But I still don't think he's going to be part of this team in the long run. I think that the front office. A knows how valuable bias is right now. And B also acknowledges the fact that they have Nico Horner in the minors and he's doing really well. I mean, Jed Hoyer has spoken very highly of this kid. And I think we've seen the potential of this kid many, many times in spring training, though the sample size wasn't huge, but it's pretty obvious that he has talent and he's getting a lot more attention this year. I just, I think he's going to be traded. Eventually he's going to be gone. I just, I don't know how they're going to handle this when he does come up or how long they're going to keep him down. Cause I would be really shocked if they just traded him before being called up. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing it, but <laughs> I I'd, I'd be surprised if they didn't at least have him play for the big league club. Just, you know, thinking what they're going to do and when yeah. he's going to come up, I don't know. Um, yeah.
1: I mean, the if they did call him up, the reason I would assume is because an injury to either Bodie, Baez, Discalso or Zobris. that sure. would that would be the reason. Like that'd be one reason, and then the second reason, if it's not injury, would just be because one of those four I just mentioned hit some sort of slump and they are not getting production uh, from any of them. I would probably lean towards either Descalzo or to Zobris not being those guys or being those guys. Maybe Bodie. Um you, I think we all know what we're gonna get out of Baez for a full season. Um but and if they did call him up, like I just don't see them putting him at shortstop over Baez with the way no, that Baez is not right. And the way that Baez has become like not just the star in Chicago, like he's become like a star throughout the entire league. Like he's, he's been become one of the more popular players. So, you know, they're going to just leave him at shortstop. And if he comes up, he'll probably play second. So it'd be, well, they've been
0: working him at second. So, right.
1: Right. And I, I just see a lot of, I read a lot of tweets on Twitter and it can be a really toxic place as we know. Yes. So, so a lot of, a lot of people like really think that the Cubs would actually put Russell there over bias. And, and I'm just like, you can't honestly be that stupid, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, if he comes up, he'll probably play second and it'd be between him, Bodie, uh, Descalso and Zobers, more so probably oh, it be between, be between him and Descalso. Cause they've been playing Bodie more at third, uh, and and putting, uh, Brian out in the outfield on those days.
0: Yeah. I think you're going to see even more of that, but you know, the thing is too, if you're going to do that, that means you're going to see more games with Jason Hayward out of his best position. I mean, he can all play right. center field, but we all know that his best position isn't
1: right. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's been pretty serviceable in both spots, so I'm not too worried that much about it. But, you know, you'd you rather see Hayward in right. But until Al Moore can become more consistent, I think that they're just going to continue to do, you know, either put him in center or in right. I mean, I Almora is playing better. I, he had that four hit game in Arizona and he's had some some decent hits over the last couple of days, but he's still like struggling to hit more line drives. And that's like that's the that's his thing. Like he's hitting he's still hitting a lot of ground balls. So, you know, I, I don't really know what to really think about Almora in terms of like potential for him. You know, you know, Theo's talked about it, you know, we we want production over potential so you know there I, I don't know if if the thing is that Almore has never really got a fair chance to start but uh, I, I don't know it's that makes that situation makes me glad I'm not the GM because I wouldn't know what to really do personally right now I think Almore is more of your defensive replacement type guy
0: I think he's a platoon guy we talked about this on the show earlier I think you you play him against Lefty pitchers, or you put them in late for defensive substitutions. Last year, I was on the play Almora every
1: day train, but sure. I think
0: as time has gone on, I just see him more as a platoon player.
1: Right. And you, like, I have to believe that Ian Happ is going to get called up eventually. So, when he, if he does get called up, <laughs> then, like, that creates even more playing time taken away from Almora. I mean, at this point, you just got to think that that's what Al Moore's uh, role is. You just, you know, platoon, play him against lefties, put him in late for defensive substitution. And I'm and I'm okay with that. And it's unfortunate because I really thought he could be an everyday center fielder, but he just, I don't know, he just hasn't been able to figure out. He, he's similar to Baez in terms of, you know, he swings a lot. But whenever they, they put him in position to lead off games you kind of want him to take more pitches but he's just not that kind of player so i i just feel like it's there's like tension there with his development and i don't know if it's his or the cubs fault but at this point it's all about production so you know but the way that jason hayward's playing i i can't argue playing out more and more
0: <laughs> well let's talk about ian half for a sec okay His minor league numbers, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at them, but you see three home runs and seven doubles. And you're thinking, alright, I guess. Right. The slash line is 223, 324, 394. He's drawn 13 walks, but he struck out 28 times. He has an OPS of 718, which is really around league average. So there are some struggles there, but The weird thing is, sometimes with people, you see them struggle in the minors and then they come to the majors and maybe play with a bit more of a chip on their shoulder. But we saw a lot of struggles from Ian Happ last year. You saw the strikeouts. You saw the walks, though. I mean, the guy can draw walks. His on base last year was 353 and he had a 408 slugging, which, you know, isn't spectacular, but. All things considering, he was still able to hit 15 home runs. So I just, I don't know when he's going to be up. I don't know if the Cubs are looking at particular results or if they're just kind of saying, hey, despite the numbers, we're going to keep you down for X amount of time and then bring you up. Or if they're just kind of using the eye test. Don't look at the numbers. Don't look at the number of games. Just look at what he's doing. If the swing looks better and the approach looks better, then bring him up. I'm looking at the numbers right now. I haven't watched a single second of what he's done in the minors. You know, you know he's playing in the minors.
1: right? So I can't
0: really answer when he's going to be up. But you feel like he's going to be up eventually.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, with the way that the Cubs are high on him, you would think that he would be up this month. I mean, I did read a tweet. I can't remember who it was from about Ian Happ, and it said like over certain, like his like last fifty at bats, he's his numbers are much better, something like that. And they say that he's like trending in the right direction. I think it was one of the guys from Bleacher Nation, actually.
0: Yeah, he got off to a pretty slow start and seems to be doing better as of recent. Yeah.
1: So like maybe that, like maybe that's the sign for a trend moving upward. You know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like with, with how Ian Happ he's been in the majors for two years and to go down to the minors and struggle to start. It's, I don't know. It's, it's not a good look considering you spent, you know, two years in the major, in major league, in the major leagues and saw major league pitching. So you, you go down to that level. You think that you should automatically, you know, figure it out. But, you know, I know he struggled in the spring. I don't know. I just, I really don't know. And it sounds like you don't really know when what the Cubs are really thinking about him either, but I feel like he's going to have some sort of role on this team come next month. I I believe that he'll probably be up this month. I just don't know when. And then I also don't know who they would demote to bring him up. Um, Well, it's, it's going
0: (laughs) to depend on what they do. Let's say Russell stays down and they want to bring up Ian Happ. Then I, I mean, think I guess uh, you go Mark
1: Zagunas. Yeah, Mark Zagunis. I keep forgetting he he barely plays now, so I keep forgetting he's even on the roster. Right. And he, I I even feel like right now you could call up happen, you get better production than than what Mark Zagunis is giving the Cubs. And not to put like a giant downer on Zagunas. it's just you know he they 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 gave him the opening day roster spot because of his offense, and he just really hasn't done anything with that. Well, one thing's for sure,
0: the the fielding has not been there, and that's probably why he's lost some time. I feel like, though, if he wants to turn into an MLB hitter, he needs to play more or get more at-bats. But at the same time, do you really want that defense out there? That's the thing. He's kind of once again stuck in a situation where the depth of the big league club is prevents him from playing and the fact that his defenses look so shaky that prevents him from playing even more
1: right i mean he could i don't know how what his value would be in a trade you know if you paired him with you know let with, with either almore or even app i guess if you wanted to make a He'd mid-season throw
0: i think at this point
1: right yeah i mean he's he's been i don't know how old he is but it feels like he's been in the cubs at AAA for the cubs for like five years and you know hasn't no team has been asking for him. So I don't know what other teams would think about him, but yeah, he'd probably be a throw in. And I, I'm at the point where if he's that, then, then you might as well call up Ian Hab sooner rather than later. Um, But I understand why he's still in, in minors. I mean, he obviously struggled and his spring was terrible and apparently he didn't come to, you know, show up to spring ready to go. And that's why they demote him. And, you know, I I'm okay with that. Um, so I don't know. I just, I think that we'll see him this month. I just don't really know when, it, you know, an injury could happen tomorrow and we might see him. So who who knows? But, uh, you know, especially if the Cubs will have any, I like want to make any kind of trade, they'll probably, um, you know, would consider Hap in that trade.
0: Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. It's, it's going to be an interesting situation. Right now, you're just hoping there are no more injuries that result in call-ups because you you never want to see that happen, but you're going to see some roster adjustments throughout. I mean, look, right now, the backup catcher is still Taylor Davis, and Adam and I talked about Taylor Davis, and look, the the fact of the matter is you got to have Wilson Contreras have some rest, and he's gotten rest via the off day, but... After today, as we talk, because it's an off day today, you're going to have one off day scheduled until the last Thursday of May. Mm -hmm. So you're going to go pretty much a full month with having one off day after today. Wilson Gutierrez can't play every day.
1: Right. And I think
0: uh, the Miami series is a great time to play Taylor Davis maybe once or twice if you're not going to get another catcher.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. Yeah, I in my, I wrote an article for Cubby's crib and just kind of went over the first month of the season for the Cubs. And I, you know, I mentioned Victor Caratini going down and how that's a big injury for the Cubs because, you know, we witnessed last year Contreras just kind of, you know, fell apart in the second half last year. And we, a lot of us think it was because, you know, you led the league in innings caught last year. So, he he might say that it's not a big deal and he wants to play every day i mean that's what you want your players to say but you know that he got to get that guy some rest so yeah i would love to see taylor davis get a few starts against miami because it's miami um and maybe some other teams as well maybe the reds i know i've kind of hyped the reds up a little bit but um you know you, you just got to find t- some point to get taylor davis in there i think he's only had one start since co- coming up Right. And that was with
0: you, Darvish. So maybe you see him start with you, Darvish, a bit more often.
1: Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, he, he caught a pretty good game against Darvish in the first, in that first uh, start. So, I mean, I don't know Taylor Davis is another one of those mark Zagunas types you know he's he's been in the minor leagues his entire career and he if he wants to stay up I mean he's got to be productive not only with the bat but defensively as well and as far as I could see, he did the defensive part pretty well and yeah i I, I can't I couldn't tell you what his pitch framing is like I just one game there.
0: Well, I thought what he did very well was be able to keep the ball in front of him. When Darvish was struggling with his command, you saw some of those sliders down the dirt and Davis had some very nice blocks. So I think if, yeah. if you get good defense from Taylor Davis, that's all I can really ask for at this point, because I don't think he's going to be hitting many pitches, major league pitches.
1: Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't offensively you can, is if the Cubs offense continues, from top to bottom besides Davis, if they continue to, you know, do what they do, uh, him not hitting, isn't going to be a big problem. So yeah, he's kind of like, like what most backup catches catchers are. They're in there for defense. So if he can do that and the offense can maintain, you know, then we won't really be talking about him in his, in his offense. So, um, yeah, I know a lot of us wanted a, a backup catcher in free agency, but you know, I as long as they find a way to, to make Davis uh, some give him some starts over the next you know month because I, I, what they said like six weeks for for Caratini, right? And it could
0: be longer. You never know.
1: Right. Some of those
0: bone breaks could be tricky to evaluate.
1: Right. right, and then and being out. I don't even if that is that just him, like the injury being healed, then you got to you got to do the rehab start and then you got to, you know, all these other things. And you got to you just got to make sure he's okay. then especially
0: when you're a catcher, you know, that's your hands are always being used. And it's (laughs) it's tough.
1: Yeah, I I don't envision us seeing Caratini until July, maybe like so. I I think that, you know, they just got to find a way to get Davis in there. And, uh, hopefully, you know, like we said, just be productive defensively and hopefully that, that in the long run, it, it helps Contreras because he's on fire offensively right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we've been talking for a while. I think that's just going to about to wrap things up on climbing the Ivy. Cody, really good show tonight. Really enjoyed having you on. Thanks for coming aboard.
1: Yeah, man, I was really uh, waiting for the, the random cub thing. Do you, do you have one?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I forgot about that. I look Let's forward to
1: them every week when I listen to you and Adam.
0: Okay, all right. All right. I, I promised Adam I was going to do a certain kind of thing, but since you're here, I'm glad you brought this up, because now it could go kind of a different direction. So, Okay. Pick pitcher or position player.
1: Mm, Let's go pitcher.
0: Pitcher, okay, okay. We got a lot to choose from. (laughs) So you ready for this?
1: Yeah, I'm ready. Let's let's do it.
0: All right. Today's former Cub we are going to talk about is remember the man who looked like Abe Lincoln, Matt Clement.
1: Oh yes, I. Growing up, that was one of my favorites. That was Me one of my too. favorite pitches. He uh, he's the guy. Also, was he, he had didn't he get a, a huge line uh, liner? Did he take a liner off his head when he was with the Red Sox? It kind of like ended his career.
0: Yeah, because you know when he ended his career, he was only thirty one. So yeah. it, that might have been it.
1: Yeah, I I just that's like really the last thing I really remember about him is just taking a liner off the head and. I just don't remember ever seeing him pitch ever again. But his tenure with the Cubs was pretty good for the most part. I mean he was he was on the O three team, right? And
0: yes, he, he was. was
1: part, and uh man, that's all I really remember about. I was so young back then that I don't really remember most players except for the ones everyone knows, like Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor and Sosa and all those guys. So oh. as a
0: Cub, he was a Cub for three years and uh he pitched to a 380 ERA in those three years. A whip of 1.2, which was uh, smaller than any other whip he's had with another team. 8.8 strikeouts per nine innings. A 3.7 base on ball per nine innings. In 800, sorry, 587 and two thirds innings. That is uh, 94 starts total as a Cub. And in 2003. He pitched 201 and two thirds innings in 2002. He pitched 205 innings, and in 2004 it was a little less than those two years, but he pitched 181 innings, still 30 starts, but a 3.68 ERA, which was a nearly a career best. His career best was. With the Cubs in 2002, but you know it to, the 2002 Cubs weren't very good. When you think of Matt Clement, you think of 03, 04.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a, those are the only two years I can really think of him. Um, he yeah, was an All Star in Boston in 05. Interesting. Yeah, I've, I wouldn't have been able to. I wouldn't have remembered that at all. When, yeah, when was his, his
0: ending numbers that year weren't fantastic, but he probably had a great first half because I don't really remember him pitching in Boston. I just, I remember him pitching on the Cubs.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was always one of those guys that you you felt good when you went out there to pitch.
0: Yeah, he was the definition of a very solid back-of-the-end rotation guy. Obviously, he was never an ace or a top-three guy, but as you're... Fourth starter in the postseason and as a four or five in your rotation, he did a very efficient job. You remember, he was the fifth starter in the 04 rotation, which on paper was fantastic. They had Mark Pryor, Kerry Wood, Carlos Sembrano, and Greg Maddox as their top four. To have yeah. Matt Clemente as your five, <laughs> man, on paper was great, but you had all those injuries, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, the that 04 team, I'll always just I'm always just going to think disappointment because the team could have been so good. And that was like, everyone was talking, Oh, the Cubs, Red Sox, the, the, you know, the, the, the greatest world series we could ever see or something like that, that year. Cause that was the year that they, that the Red Sox broke their curse. And, you know, obviously the Cubs were in a, that, the drought then too, but, you know, maybe, maybe we'll get a Cubs Red Sox world series someday. That's something that I, I personally dream of, but
0: yeah, it would have I, I, been even better in 04, 03, because both of them had their droughts back then. But yeah, I'd definitely right. love to see that.
1: It would it would it would be it won't be as good now because both teams have broken their drought, but it still would be intriguing just because of how many, you know, the current team, how they have ties to the to the Red Sox, especially with Theo Epstein and, and Anthony Rizzo and John Lester. But uh yeah, Matt Clement, that guy yeah, that's all I can really think about is just the liner he took off his head. Yeah. And that that O three, O four, those O three and O four teams, man, they just O three was so fun. I I was what in O three I was twelve years old. So I was just I got into baseball in like this Maguire Sosa era naturally because all they did was hit home runs.
0: Yeah. And, A lot uh, of people did.
1: Right, right. But the O three Cubs, that's like when I like I feel like I truly fell in love with them because the 98 and 99 like years or whatever, like I just liked the Cubs. I was so young I, and I liked home runs, but then I like really started getting into baseball, like after the Diamondbacks Yankees world series in 2001 mm-hmm. and I just steadily grew. And then like my entire family was Cubs fans. So I just, that's basically how I became a Cubs fan. And Matt Clement was like one of my, Like one of the the first like 10 to 15 Cubs that I was like, yeah, I like that guy. Uh, Obviously, I was
0: him for Halloween in 2003. Fun fact, when I was in fourth grade, (laughs)
1: that's 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 funny. I I can't remember what I was in Halloween on Halloween in fourth grade, (laughs) but it definitely wasn't Mackleman. That's 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 something that you uh, I feel like like you said, a fun fact, something to to tell your your kids one day or something like that.
0: Oh for sure. And you mentioned the O four team in general, and I'm looking at their baseball reference page right now. That starting lineup, I could remember it like it was yesterday. It had Derek Lee, it had Aramis Ramirez, it had Sammy Sosa, it had Moise Salo, who had a career year that year, it had obviously that rotation we talked about. Marco Zelonik was still on the team. It brought in Nomar Garcia Para. It had Paul Baco as the backup catcher. (laughs) Good old Nephi Perez. You remember Nephi Perez?
1: Oh, I remember all those times he always tried to bunt single, but it was like a swinging bunt. Yes. Yes. And it would make me so mad (laughs) because it would (laughs) never work. And he wasn't like he was fast, but he wasn't like, Billy Hamilton, fast. I would just wonder why he's doing that. Like, it, it, and he would always do it at the worst times. Like the last one I really remember, if I think back, you, I remember him one time just doing it in the ninth inning, the Cubs are losing, and he would go up there and do one of those bunt, swinging bunt, single types, and I'm just like, what are you doing, man? Like, uh see, those are the days. Like even o three o four, like you watch the Cubs and there's just the level of like. I guess IQ even I guess it just it doesn't even reach the like the the area of how the Cubs that we know today have ever played it and was a
0: di- very different managing too I mean Dusty sure. Baker and Joe Madden are very very different
1: yeah that's true yeah and and even later in the 2000s when Lou Pinello was a manager it was so different baseball in general was so different like oh yeah in those days you know managers are telling the fast guys to try and hit ground balls now like People, people were telling people to try to hit the ball in the air all the time, no matter who you are. So, I mean, it was a much different time. And obviously, also, like, pitchers couldn't throw 99, 100, at least all of them. You know, Kerry Wood was one of the few guys who You could.
0: see a lot more frequent flamethrowers these days. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: There's so many of them. It's so crazy how so many, flash, uh, how many people can throw a fastball 99 miles per hour now. It's something that really amazes me.
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, now that we got that through, I think now we could sign off on climbing the Ivy. Uh, Cody, thank you for reminding me uh, because I just didn't think of uh, the former Cub thing <laughs> this week. So uh, thanks for being on top of that. I always have fun doing that. So yeah, I think we had a good conversation about Matt Clement and the Oh four Cubs and uh, uh, tune in next week for when I surprise Adam with a former Cub. Uh, oh, I... It's always a surprise, but Hey, it's fun. I...
1: I look forward to it. I really do when I listen to you guys. So,
0: yeah. Well, uh, once again, Cody, thanks for coming. It was great talking to you today.
1: All right. Great, man. Uh, can't, like,
0: can't wait for the next time. Absolutely. So, just a reminder you could check out Cubby's Crib on fansided.com. You could also listen to this episode on iTunes. You could download it there as well. So, until next time, he's Cody. I'm Alex. Have a great night. We'll see you next week.